Hello and welcome to This Contains Garlic. You are here with your hosts, Georgia Garlic and... Mark Garlic. And we are back for episode 11. Big one today. Is it a big one? It is a big one today. It's going to be deep. Uh, no, it's not. We're just going to be talking about emotional eating. Um, we're both currently sat, not to be sexual, half naked, sweating, because we have to close the doors whenever we like record this. Because yeah. We're under the flight path, so we have to keep the doors closed. Otherwise, you hear the aeroplanes screeching overhead. Yeah, it's really annoying. Actually, if you live in southwest London, you'll understand when you literally live under the flight path. Yeah. You don't ever take that into consideration until you live there um so yeah we've closed the doors there's no yeah. fan on because yeah, obviously... i feel like it's a very british thing to discuss the weather first thing uh, <laughs> into like any form of conversation so here we are so what do you think an african thing weather. is to often bring up the fact you don't have electricity Corruption. yeah yeah no electricity no, electricity. no running water <laughs> no public services no okay healthcare. well you don't live in africa now so we're back here sweating sweating about to record a podcast for you on emotional eating so i think first things first um emotional eating before we get into what it is and how we how we can advise and help on this it's very important to understand that this is all very individual context um Mm. everything is is down to effectively the person in which you're dealing with. It is not a generic statement, you know. It's not, yeah. you know, if you do this, you're never going to emotionally eat again. But also, before we start on this, it's really important to understand that emotional eating is a really totally normal human um, go-to. Um, like a normal response to certain situations. And like Georgia said, it depends on the person and it's very nuanced. And tri- each person is triggered by different things. And each person copes with stress and and or life or or emotions in general with different ways. So I think what we want to kind of discuss is going over the different types of emotional eating and then different scenarios, maybe where it can arise and how to deal with it and just the general mindset behind emotional uh, eating yeah. but i think also before we before we actually go into emotional eating there is a very big difference between emotional eating and binge eating yeah. now as many people do class them under the same thing they are not factually the same thing in any way shape or form yeah. and just to give you a little background of what binge eating is associated with normally it's about three of the following points which is eating more um, much more rapidly than normal so eating your food very very quickly you know not being considerate about chewing and just Mm -hmm. eating it eating until feeling very uncomfortably full now there is a difference between like going past the point of being satisfied and just like eating for the sake of eating yeah eating for the sake of eating and then being like to the point where you feel sick yeah you feel sick or um other things arise another one could be that eating large amounts of food when you're not actually physically hungry so that's a very i mean mean, basically uh nine out of ten of these things happen to me on a daily basis (laughs) Not a daily basis. I think actually, whilst we just get to the end of this, there's another two points of binge eating. Now, again, a lot of these things, as I just like to say, do work potentially in conjunction with other obsessive behaviors or abusive behaviors to a body. Mm. But sometimes eating alone because you're embarrassed about how much you are consuming and also feeling like disgusted with yourself potentially or guilt or depressed for overeating um but as we've said you know time and time again we ourselves have probably 
uh, gone through, I went through a large binge eating phase in my um, childhood into teenage years. And I would say, I'm not going to speak for you, Mark, but I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say you've, well, you didn't have access to that much food in Zimbabwe. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've I mean, probably post-show, maybe, post a bodybuilding competition, you probably may have gone off. The, maybe not. Um, I think it's very, it's the dialing in your nutrition for 20 odd weeks. Some people do it for 12. I used to do it for 20, taking the slower, more uh, measured approach. And obviously, as you get more and more depleted and your body fat goes into single digits, um, your food focus goes through the roof. You're essentially doing the complete opposite of what your body wants to do. But I think if you are an athlete in that situation and you are going into a situation like that, then you need to understand the mental and physical, uh, I guess, drawbacks to But yeah, you, you become very, very food focused I, and very, you know, for, uh, just drawn and hungry so it, it, there is always going to be some element element of emotional eating but not binge eating you, as necessary as such but we do know a lot of people I that mean, have you, you could classify it as binge eating after the uh, in bodybuilding terms when you just go and you absolutely go yeah but that's not binge eating the terms of the fact that no. binge eating you need to repeat you know you need to repeat these uh, aspects no, really. for normally about at least one day a week for like three months plus. Yeah, to... I would say it's very common then for binge eating to occur post-show. Yes, and a lot of people, you know, as yeah. we said... If and you it's, did... it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just your body's natural homeostatic response to trying to claw back calories and body fat. I would say it's actually quite a bad thing for that to happen. And I think that if you're prepared going into yeah. a show, then you are less likely I mean, to necessarily do this. But... It is does come down yeah. to emotional circumstances. There's plenty of people binge eat due to grief or um, other external emotions. Yeah. Um, and I think when it comes to competing, there is a difference, you know. Yeah, there's a difference. We need to separate the two completely from each other because one is self-induced almost and then the other one, other yeah. ones like grief or... You're choosing to put yourself yeah, in a very... you're choosing to go through that and... The other one is a, a body response, shall you say, to a, an emotion yeah, of like some an degree. an external factor, like what's going on in life or... But I think if you do, if you feel like potentially you look not at there, as we're going to go on to emotional eating and you'll probably will see some similarities that, you know, people can, as I said at the mm. start, class the two under the same, you know, same bracket. Mm. There are very different things and we would always advise that we've dealt with many clients that have had different disorders in the sense of eating disorders and we've taken through that approach but if you are in a way where you feel like you're completely out of control then the best way forward for binge eating disorder is to speak to a, a, thera yeah, a professional yeah. therapist and to actually speak through those triggers as to why it's happening and yeah. how you can manage it do you know emotional eating is is as we said a slightly different thing thing is like you we've we've had this uh discussion prior to the to the podcast and georgia brought up a very valid point about the fact that we're always to a certain degree in a state of some form of emotion whether it's happiness sadness anger you know you fill in the blank spot so essentially we are always emotionally eating in a sense because we're yeah. always emotional depending on whatever scale so it's like heightened emotions or or um, situations that are not normal and the coping mechanisms around yeah the, I think the thought process and the f and your food choices 
So I think like if we were like with emotional eating, obviously what it's actually defined as is eating in response to negative emotions. Like as Mark said, you know, it could be sadness, it could be anger, it could be fear, it could be a number of different options, you know, um, but that both positive and negative emotions have always been linked to increased eating. Yeah. So, you know, we could... Celebrations, feasting. Yeah, like you'll always have subconscious sort of memories or experiences where you effectively like linked maybe a happy moment in your life to a food. Birthday cake. Okay, Mark. Like we give the example, potentially you've gone on a, a family holiday as a child and you have fond memories of getting an ice cream with your parents by the seaside mm-hmm. and then you maybe think back to the time you had ice cream and that subconsciously is you know as we yeah. always say in your life because you've then resonated with x food for x reason yeah, x uh, scenario situation but i guess like you know, it can always be argued that like, you know, as we said, emotional eating is like what we do on a data basis. We're always running with some some kind of emotion mm. at the end of the day. Mm. Um, but I think where we tend to mean by actual emotional eating is an increase or change in eating to response yeah. to a certain emotion. So for example, yeah. maybe somebody passes away in your family or somebody you're close to or potentially um, you're being bullied at school or throughout your child, like, for example, going back, the reason I started with binge eating disorder was because I was really badly bullied. Mm. And my response to that uh, was to eat, but eat alone and always hide anything that I had eaten. So if it was wrappers mm. and, you know, my mum's probably listening to this right now, she'll probably start crying. <laughs> like, um, no, because she'll probably get quite emotional about it. Because I think when you take when a child is being bullied Why at school... Why did you buy it in the first place, Jane? No, she didn't buy it. I went out of my way to buy it myself. Uh, okay. oh my God, well, very my, independent. Very independent. No, I mean, it happened in a time where, you know, when a child gets given pocket money, potentially a couple of pounds a week, or you've earned it through chores, you never okay. did a fucking chore, Mark, because you were lazy. I used to work for my father, actually, when I was 16, on the forecourt, changing tyres, Georgia. How long did that last? Uh, One six week. Six months. Um, anyway, so I used to buy food or I used to s- sort of get it from anywhere. I'd even get it, you know, potentially I'd get it from the cupboards without my parents' permission as such. But I want to go on to that in the sense of parental, you know, guidance Jane should with have food. Locked, uh, locked the cupboard. No, like Mark, you're not did. talking any sense. <laughs> we can't listen to you. I'm very oblivious no, I'm to a joking. lot of things. My mother clearly. used to lock the cupboard. Put it that Yes, way. because people used to steal in Africa. Um, but I used to then eat stuff and then I used to hide the wrappers. And there was one time where my parents were very, they'd taken me to doctors, they'd taken me to nutritionists, they'd taken me everywhere. And they were like, why is our daughter like rapidly gaining weight? Like, is she, you know, it could be mm. diabetic. Mm. There could be a number of things going on. And as I guess, as a parent, you're overly concerned about that. Sure. And me being me and binge eating <laughs> and very ashamedful of it, lied yeah. obviously, and would never ever say that I was eating like extensive amounts of food, sure. you know, and hiding what, it. What uh, made you want to lie in the first place? Because it... I want to go on to this because emotional eating is, there are triggers to everything. And there have been studies that have been undertaken um, about sort of how a child potentially grows into emotional eating more than some others. Mm-hmm. And it has been proven that like emotional eating is a learned behavior in childhood and mindful parenting in the sense of limited judgment, mm 
better emotional awareness, yeah. focus on like self-regulation mm. has been shown to reduce the child's chance of emotional eating. Okay. But there are studies that obviously show that, you know, on the opposite that using food as a reward as such you know when you're like okay well done you've done this you can have a piece oh, of yeah, cake once yeah, yeah or for your vegetables then you, you can, can have, have a sweet or something like that or forcing your child to Complete effectively task to eating a reward, yeah. no like for example like you know when you sat down at the dinner table and i very much appreciate i'm not a parent myself but i've dealt with very a, a lot of parents in the sense of our jobs and coaching yeah. and there is this thing that obviously you want to make sure your child's eating all of their food so they're getting the right nutrition in, even Correct. if they don't want to. And I can also appreciate children can be incredibly difficult, throw Picky, food on the floor, yeah. don't want to eat that, this is disgusting. Mm. But it's that thing of forcing a child to eat their food or finish all of what's on their plate mm. has effectively shown that it's increased the reliance on food for comfort all the way through your life. So if it's a learned behavior in childhood and these things are coming up even in adulthood, it's it, it can be sometimes triggered by how a parent responded to a situation. Now, and this is obviously a consistent response to a situation. And as I've said in previous podcasts, I never came from a family that was overweight in any way, shape or form. If anything, the complete opposite. And I think that through the years ingrained in people in my family has been a strong sense that fat and being overweight was not a vibe like it was a no-go it was in fact in some words what people used to say gross and that potentially then onto a child can effectively cause the opposite of what I think you want it to cause which is if you give somebody or potentially are incredibly restrictive on a child or you tell them off for maybe overeating or you tell them that that food is you can't have that and all that these are things that children learn from a really really young age and I think it you know emotional eating definitely doesn't just happen in childhood it also happens the whole way through your life and when an emotion arises you deal with it as and when you need to but I think you know with recent studies with like behavioral change you know there are strong links between that restrictive uh, behavior on children with food especially has been shown to worsen the relationship going forward in their life um, so I don't know like obviously as I said like I used to very much be part of that and I guess Mark as we said like on some extremes and different situations also was experience of certain things but I think moving on to why we why we emotionally eat barring the fact that obviously it's due to a circumstance i mean mark what do you want to say um i would say that a lot of it comes from just trying to uh fulfill a void that you're currently feeling in your life so you're trying to use food to obtain certain neurological changes whether it's uh, increasing or secreting dopamine and serotonin that you get from the feel-good factor of eating food maybe you're lacking that in your day-to-day -day life due to numerous factors um, and it's just trying to use food as a comforting blanket to elicit some form of neurological change in your body whether it's long-term long or short-term. Short oh, Jesus, long and short. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're okay. Couldn't get it out. Yeah, so it's... I it's, guess, I guess also 
before eating does make us feel good that's why you know it, it's one yeah. of the biggest distractions and everybody we all do it every single day every single one of us so we all feel inclined to have our own interpretations and like georgia said nature versus nurture comes into play and your surrounding environment your peers your friends um your lifestyle everything Im- impacts that and yeah, drives like an internal narrative towards um, the way you view food, the way you view yourself. Yeah, and I mean, um, like, you know, as we've said before, like, you know, having a sense of being full potentially or being satisfied with your food mm. can, um, it can a- allow for a feel, like, to feel, you know, sort of like when you feel um, lonely potentially and you want to feel that it sort of fuel fill fuel like fill the emptiness it is that thing where food can sometimes be mm. that thing that fills the emptiness inside of you and i think it's also important just to mention again that like you know we we all enjoy the taste of good food it gives us satisfaction but you know giving that whole sort of tasty food it can, as Mark just said, like activate the reward system in your brain. Mm. And if that action is repeated over time, which it would yeah, be you, every day or every week. Think of week, it like Pavlov's dog uh, in the sense of... Who's Pavlov? Pavlov's dog was a scientist who basically rang a bell every time he fed his dog and oh. dog started salivating. So basically he started ringing the bell oh, okay, and then the yeah, dog... Yeah was salivating prior to it's like learned behavior so and it is very like georgia said uh reward based if you do x you'll get y if you do this this is what will happen and then we also um correlate celebrations and positive and negative emotions tied into food whether it's thanksgiving or Christmas. What the hell? You're not even American. We've got obviously we've got American listeners, Georgia. You need to really keep up with the statistics. It's just the fact you said Thanksgiving is the biggest celebration when literally have you ever celebrated Thanksgiving? Numerous Uh, times. Are you lying? Yes, I am. Yeah, you are lying. There we go. Self. No, but that's obviously to shout out. Yeah, but you know there is one. Please just stop, Mark. There's not many American listeners. But if you repeat that action of the sense of giving yourself reward system, you effectively can reduce the sensitivity to like dopamine, which then can tr- trigger obviously a vicious cycle of it going round and round and round and you not being able to break it. Um, and I think that, look, there are a number of factors that something like a stressful situation can set you off on. Mm. And I think if we're talking hunger hormones and all of the things that you know come with it cortisol cortisol obviously cortisol will increase rapidly but then what effectively also is increasing is your hunger hormones so um your ghrelin levels which can effectively diminish part of the brain's responsibility for impulsive action so if you say, for example, are very, very stressed, you know, and you're increasing ghrelin levels, which means then you're either hungry or your brain is not effectively functioning in the most optimal way, you then put yourself into the situation where you can be very impulsive in your behavior. Mm. I've definitely seen you impulsive def- you action in my behavior. And like Georgia said, there's the increase in the speed of eating so that your so your internal regulator can't. Um, take a register of the food volume and start to then uh, re 
I think most of the time most we overeat on realign your hunger hormones back to its normal level where you to stop to where that's when you start to you feel like oh I've overdone it. But with also there's that big link volume. with hunger hormones and sleep. Like if you're in a low mood or you're not feeling great and you, you or you're going through a really shit situation, you know, um that if your sleep is then off, then that will also, on top of, you know, all of this going on, it will also affect your hunger hormones, which means it's easier to overeat in the day. So that could be also part of the cycle in which you go through where you may potentially you're not sleeping well. This is then encouraging mm. you to then... It's just a cascading effect of, of... It just knocks back all back into each other, thus compounding and making it worse. Yeah, and, you know, and I it just, I think it's really important to say that, like, you know, we we were all in some way or another, maybe, we've all got our vices, you know. Oh, yeah, we all do. Uh, some, and, and I think with emotional eating and from all of the research and stuff and, quali- you know, qualification we've done, you know, it's it's really apparent that emotional eating is actually one of the safer options of abuse. Now, not to say that it's something we would actively encourage, you know, but it is a very normal human um, response. Mm -hmm. But things like which could make and not be safe in your, you know, in dealing with emotion with likes of alcohol, drug abuse, smoking, you know, as I said, everyone's got their vices. Yeah, so basically what you're trying to say is using emotional, not trying, but like, (laughs) you know what I'm trying to get at is emotional eating is an outlet but so is other forms of self not harm, self, but self, self yeah um, like regressive but, habits well yeah but i think that in the sense of over like the overall situation if you're going through a period now you feel like you might have done or potentially in the future months and years you like everybody is going to go through some sort of life change at yeah. some degree mm. that you start to clock on to the fact that actually if you are emotionally eating mm. don't panic first of all do you know what I mean like at the end of the day that's always going to make things worse and actually and as I said is a form of I don't I think binge eating disorder can be an abuse on a body but I think emotional eating is obviously as I said a direct link to emotion mm. but mm. if you can see it like this look if you're not using alcohol to potentially sedate your feelings or you're not taking recreational drugs these are things that are linked directly to being yeah. incredibly unsafe bad for your health well we all know in that abusive, drinking and in abuse like if you're manner, drinking yeah. eight tons a night and taking a handful of xanax then you should probably be well it's also the fact that you know coming home and having a stressful day and immediately resorting to alcohol or some yeah. people have a stressful how week. many people do you know come home from a stressful day at work and think oh to un to relax i need to have a glass of x yeah but that's like you know we can say from a really judgmental standpoint to be quite honest with you the reason i don't drink is because i had a very rocky relationship with alcohol Mm. like as a young you know i used to abuse alcohol to every extent because as i said i dealt with a number of different emotions and issues and the same with drugs so i sit in a position now where i don't take that stuff recreationally you know i rarely drink like we have a couple of nights out Mm. maybe literally a year where we drink and so i think it can come from quite a judgmental standpoint like we've all as we said got our own vices you know do i think a drink a day is not the end of the world no it's i think it's when you're when you're feeling sad and you resort consistently to it's the thought of having to the only way you can 
unwind or decompress or deal with your emotions is X. Yeah. That's when it becomes a bit of a sticky situation because you're like, I cannot achieve this state of consciousness because I cannot have X. And it's like, well, if you've had a stressful day, you don't necessarily have to have a glass of wine or some whiskey. You can choose to do something else that gives you the same internal and external uh, motivating factor outside of yeah i mean look it'd be easy to say like oh instead of having a glass of wine and like a whole mm. bottle in the evening go to the gym like most people would be like please yeah, no, just fuck off no. do you know what i mean but at the end of the day it is that thing of you're re- realizing you're in a cycle of destruction with a that fueling yourself and this is the same with food i don't think it necessarily has to be destruction either it's just ne- understanding that you're using something as a an emotional crutch why do you mean crux or crutch? No, crutch, as in something that you <laughs> lean on emotionally. You dislike those words, don't so you? So you're like, I can only, I come home from work, I can only get relaxed when I drink a beer. And if I can't drink a beer, then I'm not relaxed. Yeah, and other people's vices might be scrolling on social media and diminishing their mental as, health. As by long the as second. you understand that, that that's the situation that you're in, then you allow yourself to, be, you obviously give yourself the, the opportunity to then carry on partaking in your... Yeah, I mean, look, like, you know, say you, and we're taking a stressful, like a stressful day at work in the grand scheme of things is mm. not the most stressful thing you no. might go through in your life. No. For example, we have people that do actually message us on social media that are going through periods of grief and they feel like they've lost all control. Mm. And we just say, like, at the first and foremost is the fact that if you are on, say, for example, a weight loss journey or something like mm. that where these things need to be addressed or you want to be conscious of what you're putting into your body and all of this stuff. Like maybe at that time, the focus shouldn't necessarily be on, you know, like expecting that you're going to be happy or expecting Mm. that things are all going to run. In fact, sometimes embracing it and being kind to yourself allows for you to have less judgment on the situation because at the end of the day, you are the one that's dealing with it. And I think there is this word that comes in, which is self-compassion, which is, you know, it is easier said than done, in my opinion. I think telling people to be kind to themselves is one of the hardest things Yeah, it is very difficult, but it is, uh, as coaches and having having to deal with the general population on a daily basis, that is our biggest job is getting people to speak to themselves better and be nicer to themselves. And I think, and we'll bring it back, you know, I just mentioned social media now and I think, you know, I saw somebody on a podcast the other day saying like, you know, why is it that we are like this now? And I can literally only put it down to the extent of use of seeing other people's lives and seeing other people's bodies and seeing how other people eat and Mm. breathe. It's just not normal. I know it's the way that life's going. I know that you're all probably scrolling on social media. We're there present. We've got people who are a business. You know, like, because we have to be there every single day. But at least we're trying to do something good, I guess, rather than being, you know, but you know, you know, all of these things like what, I eat in a day and all of this it's really really not useful for a lot of people because they the just expectations, don't understand it starts to warp people's uh, view on reality and it and it leads to things like emotional eating and and things like that because people feel like they can't achieve certain things or they feel lesser than other individuals and then you're like do you know what fuck it i'm just gonna have a whole bag of maltesers anyway so but i think you know as we said like with stress for example I think there is one 
very important factor as to what can also be a trigger to emotionally eating and that is restricting food groups or your uh, intake yeah. in general to like an yeah, extreme amount a very low calorie diet so like example. you know you're more likely to react in stressful situations if you have restricted food groups and intake than those that don't restrict mm. so because in the way that the human brain works and your body it's an like it's an automatic response to i guess like food shortage or certain yeah. foods feeling your, special or your body uh, due to evolutionary biology is predetermined to carry around a certain amount of body fat and that obviously varies on genetics but that is your stored energy for, like Georgia said, fasting periods. Like we have been more primitive than we have been modern in the sense of like we're not used to eating every single day and having unlimited amounts of food that are highly, highly, highly palatable. We're used to more like fasting or smaller meals um, on a less regular basis. Who's used to the human race. The human race. The no, human race. back in the day, potentially. Yeah, we're talking hundreds of thousands, but where we've spent the vast majority of our existence in the evolutionary process. Um, and it's just, and your body is going to want to fight the ability of you lose, losing that stored energy because you might be able to use it at a, at a later date. Yeah, like it's a body survival so mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. That's why I said you, when you, for example, a, a competition, you're really pushing your body to places it literally does not want to go. Yeah. So Hence the use of potentially When you external... get into those huge uh, calorie deficits and, and you, or you have been in a large calorie deficit or you have lost a lot of weight, weight over over a given period of time there is always going to be some homeostatic response internally that is going to want to try and claw back some body fat to a certain degree so Mm. this is when like georgia said you can go for periods of restriction or cutting out certain food groups and then the emotional eating of not being able to obtain uh, obtain certain standards or being able to fulfill the requirements of a certain diet 24/7 365 days a week um, and then once you break your you know the the rules then you yeah. go off um, you go off I mean like if you looked at like science and like when you study like something like nutrition or you go into the depths of it like the first what kind of annoys me now whenever somebody says to me oh I want to do a nutrition qualification or whatever I actually pass them on to people that are if anything they're diplomas they're not actually degrees or only degree in any degree (laughs) funny that um because it's more suited to actually the people that you will be dealing with either as a nutritionist Mm. or as a coach or you know a PT if you want to learn more and it's because we're we're taught technically as professionals that you need to be aiming for perfect and until very recently and i'm talking like plus or minus five years so recently i don't know if that's recent but you Mm -hmm. know have courses or abilities to educate come about that are more actually adherable on a day-to-day basis for a client and so whenever we post we used to get the most amount of hate on social media when we used to post foods that were seen in as bad as bad so what we mean by that is we I, i'll never forget we did an instagram post on sustainable snacks and it was listing 
including things that were, as you could call, healthy, nutritionally balanced. We included foods like mm. a small ice cream, a mm. packet of crisps, mm. uh, you know, the chocolate, a Kit Kat, mm. things that people are naturally going to reach for. Yeah. And we have so much accessibility for these days. Exactly. Um, and the amount of hate we got. It was literally like, can't be, you're not qualified. Yeah. How can you how even be telling you? people to eat sugar? Yeah, you know, and you? it's like, look at you're the world right the now. obesity pandemic by telling people they can drink zero It's like, what calorie? fuels the obesity pandemic is not having the right education that you can't manage yeah. your food. Like, like the vast majority of people, not to say that um, maybe if you're listening to this or not, like understand the metabolic process of calories in versus calories out. So like... Every, it's just a guessing game. Of yeah, but I think bad, it's the that fact that, that we're bad. always being taught that you need to have X amount of portions of fruit or veg a day, ideally two portions of oily fish. This is what the most of the general population go off is what mm. the NHS potentially provide or potentially your national health provider wherever you are. Yeah. And as much as that's good and you should always aim for a nutrient-dense diet, yeah. there are, it is normal and it's going to happen and it will happen literally every day of your life where there's something potentially intake, you intake something which you enjoy, which is yeah. highly palatable foods mm. that are incredibly accessible. Yeah. And so I do think it's kind of wrong, you know. And like It's just life in general. Like what happens if you were meant to be eating a certain way and you went on a work retreat or you had to go into the office or insert you know any life actual life scenario yeah work drink sorry you know fulfill that and and meet those obligations then it starts to make you feel a certain yeah, way. Yeah, you start to feel can't... guilty that you can't be completely exactly. on plan and why have I just eaten something? And if anything has more of a mental effect mm. or approach, it is that. It is effectively demonising the mm. fact that and we should guilt. all be perfect. And feeling guilty for eating certain things that due to our, not our, Georgian eyes, but the, the fitness industry in, in, is responsible for whether it's a bland bodybuilder's diet, whether it's cl- uh, the the incessant demand of clean eating which is like zucchini noodles and random stuff like that it's most people why go and buy a spiralizer it's just a spiralized spiraling out of fucking depression (laughs) joking though it's actually quite nice you just don't like courgette and (laughs) did you say zucchini again sorry let me just translate for all of the british people that's courgette why are you saying american things i'm american dog please honestly i'll that's (laughs) no no. Anyway, I think it's the whole thing of like, it's not just our industry. Like, you yeah. couldn't even necessarily. Well, yeah, it's not even our industry, but it's other people that have no right in giving nutritional advice, also commenting on saying crazy things, making pe- people feel certain ways about. Food yeah and i mean and like look like we've had enough of it like we've literally had to do you know how much time we have probably spent we don't get paid for this shit let's just turn out this trying to send like research and conversing with people to try and educate them that that is not factually correct until you've yeah. worked with a lot of people in their nutrition and their health and mm. you have huge amounts of experience mm. and you can back up what you're saying and you have looked in and you have researched and you've done peer review so all of this and you understand it are you then entitled to then comment on it and that does not include if it worked for you mm. because just because it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else so i think you know this whole thing of being perfect the whole time or oh you know you shouldn't have that or you mm. know this is all things that actually make the situation yeah. so much 
much worse because when somebody then goes out of control and we get asked this probably every Monday when we do a Q&A mm. after the weekend that they've lost control instead of being like oh God, get back to your strict eating plan, whatever. It's just like carry on because that's yeah. the normal way of doing it. You carry on. You've People always say this, have fallen off you the wagon. To, yeah, be, and just be more mindful. It's um, Certain studies were conducted with uh, people eating in front of the television, for example, and they weren't mindful on the foods that they were eating and their portion sizes and they ended up consuming more calories to somebody who's actually sat down not watching television and is paying more attention to their consumption but we're constantly uh, vacant in our consciousness in the sense that we're always scrolling social media or working or tending to children and we're very uh we're not very mindful of our current emotional state uh, and with regards to the context of that state as well, like, are you truly emotional or are you bored? Are you hungry or, you know, are you looking for something to do? You, do you know what I mean? I think it's it comes down to, the... to like distraction. Like we're always going to want to, I was actually speaking with a client this morning about this and I just, we were talking just about just life in general and that both of us were sort of seeking this sort of adventure to some degree to like, because life in the past couple of years has been just really weird. It has. Yeah, we, it's nothing that any of us really have ever, ever experienced no. in our whole lifetime, well, no matter what no. age you are. And I think even though, like, forget the actual virus and what happened, like, it really did change routines for people. And sometimes we seek that distraction in our lives so that mm -hmm. we don't actually have to deal with what's going on. Yeah. And and that is, again, the same as like going and reaching to the cupboard and eating when you're, you're stressed or mm. finding food and, you know, and, and trying to effectively satisfy those needs. Or like feeling down or feeling like you are, you know, uh, what's the oh, thing dear, that we Mark. all really suffer from? I don't know. You uh, ask. You look at me like I know what you're going to think. What I don't uh, know. You always Mark. finish my sentences. Uh, imposter no, I just syndrome. You. Imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. Oh when God, you're that just word feeling, is so abused. Imposter yeah, syndrome. When you're feeling down and you're feeling sad and you're like, I need to pick me up, so I'm gonna have X. But that isn't imposter syndrome. No, but that's not. But that is having dealing with something like that internal thing where you don't feel good enough, or you feel like you could be, always be doing more, where you've got productivity anxiety which is something our generation struggles from a lot of you feeling the anxiety to constantly be productive yeah and i think that's in, also that sense of like and what you just get overwhelmed and next thing you know it you're eating a whole you know thing of di chocolate digestives Mark says that with confidence. Oh, I love um, chocolate digestive so much. Yeah, I mean, it is one of these things like where I think if you are endlessly scrolling on social media, like we'll say again, like that's also a distraction to your life. It mm. should never be seen as a distraction. It should be seen as a break if you want to go mm. on social media. And if anything, like, you know, nobody as we said again is perfect in any way shape or form and what you see maybe on a nice glorified fucking structured instagram or, or yeah, twitter or you know it's not factually correct and and nobody's going to show i have got a little bit I, of thing against people a, that cry I was on about social media to say, i was about <laughs> to say i'm starting i do get a little bit triggered with the people that are use emotional eating or some form of emotional um situation to be relatable when it's like yeah, like I think, like somebody, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I would, I myself, yeah, as your 
when we record this podcast, we're actually going to go live this evening on our Instagram. And that's like the first time we've ever done it because we've always just been so adamant we'll do it in writing. But here we are. We're going to actually put our faces to it. But I think it's one of those things where I would never set up a camera if I, in my darkest times, nobody knew. Mm. Let's just say that. Like I was very good at masking yeah. it. The only thing like, that you could give away is that my face was constantly red because I was from, so anxious. From, our, from both of our family backgrounds, what real mental health is like and it's not taking a photograph of you crying yeah and expect it and but there's a lot of people that suddenly jump on that and i feel like it's this thing where people are proud of it like it's like okay you're going through an emotional state you might have large large vast followings potentially where some of those people are going to be influenced with the way you're Mm. feeling or the way you're feeling you know in general and it isn't in in our eyes as mark just said you know mark has had extensive uh, family things with, with you know with mental health stuff that I don't think any family would ever want to deal with and you know those things where you know a girl might whack up a fucking video of her crying yeah, and that you're meant it's is so weird hard to, because it's so hard for me to get on board with that I might be I don't I don't converse with these people that do yeah, it but I you think obviously that, don't have context so it's it, I sound a bit heartless saying that but like and if I your said, whole job is all online then then there may be I don't know but I still think it's that thing where you you can't expect that people won't be negatively impacted by that that might set them off to think oh god you know what she's right i mean i'm gonna start crying maybe i've got that maybe that will go wrong maybe this will go wrong and you know that sort of low mood brings low you know they always say manifest positive vibes like sometimes it's hard to like you know you know can't always be super positive but i think that thing of seeking external There's like a weaponization of emotional eating and being um, relatable. Uh, yeah where it actually crosses the barriers and and as people that are qualified in behavior you know behavioral change as such you know it's hard to see because I know that that's as I said negatively impacting people that I either coach or I might you know deal with later on or subconsciously people that might you know I know it negatively impacts people because most people you know as much as people say oh I relate to this or I'm like that it's like but why are you filming yourself crying what made you think in your darkest moments that you would film it like it Mm. it I don't know maybe I'm wrong maybe you're listening to this maybe you're a really successful influencer I don't know I just are in their darkest moments generally don't let anybody know yeah, I can fucking well just, tell you that. I didn't. I literally was on medication. No, I was going to therapy. You, you could was, have taken a photograph of you crying and then people f- feel sorry for you and then you get higher levels of engagement. Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, we have no context to these people's yes, lives. That's also We're taking judgment of what we've seen. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a man cry on Instagram, being honest with you. Um, no, I can't say I have either. Not to say that men shouldn't cry and show their emotions, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, Mark, you should all um, show your emotions. Um, but <laughs> I do think it's a bit weird reaching for a camera because, as I just said, it's just like doesn't feel like it's I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it links up correctly. Yeah, I and mean, if you guys feel other way, please let us know. Uh, you if you were like, no, you're being irre- irrational, I want to see somebody cry, like, yeah, I need like, to experience what they're experiencing. Yeah, I don't know, I, mean, I just think it puts additional stress you, on it. Think about yourself, put yourself in that situation. Would you take a photograph of yourself crying and put it on the I know, on the but internet? my point is, is what, what happens when I don't know, like, somebody sees that and 
if they know not know you because nobody knows you on social media yeah, at the end of the true. day it's all just a, you know yeah. a sort of it's all make-believe it's all no ours is not make-believe put fucking load of effort into that yeah. but like you know in and general somebody's life really is the most perfect version of it yeah. and if you then go and put something up like i'm crying or something like that that could really look at somebody and go you know, it could set their day off the wrong way, to be quite honest with you, and then make you feel like you either want to do something or you feel like you need to help somebody. And, and that's additional stresses, which you might not even consciously be aware of, but subconsciously you are thinking about that. Yeah. You're thinking like, oh, that's a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? Or, oh, I wish I could help. Or These are stresses that we don't need as humans on top of our own you know since when when as i've always said since when do we need to know all of these things about everybody's life we shouldn't you know there were mm. things that are private now nothing's private you know literally nothing is private in your life and so i think if you are going through a period of heavy emotion mm. you know being with a professional speaking with a professional yeah. keep you know as i said you're not keeping it to yourself you could speak no. to family members you could speak to friends but posting online is is that external gratification from other people because you're also searching for that dopamine fix of getting x amount or of that this is normal and it's okay or, to oh my gosh babe it's okay and the inboxes and, and it, it does and. stem for another thing but i think going back to emotional eating like if you're dealing through these phases of stress grief yeah. you know it's very normal to to use food as comfort because it's like we said it's a very low-hanging yeah, and no I think, you know, the best fruit. the best things you can really do is, as we've said, try and have as much self-compassion as you can for yourself. Yeah. As I said, it's easier said than done. And, you know, without sort of the feelings of gay, like guilt mm. and shame, you know, and, and then, you know, when you experience more self-compassion, you're less likely as such mm. to reduce your food intake dramatically yeah, or and try you... and counteract your behavior as such. Instead, you know, being kind to yourself. Be mindful. Ask yourself certain internal narrative questions prior to consuming food like, am I full? Do I need this? Is this really going to make me feel better? Or are there other uh, habits or actions I can take that are going to help me feel better in the, in the long run. I do think as a human, it's good to be able to embrace your feelings. Sometimes we really avidly avoid it. Like mm. I do sometimes, I just really try and avoid having to deal with like sometimes things going in your head. But like, it, it is one of these things where one thing that will get you a little bit further in your emotional eating journey or understanding potentially your circ circ um, circumstances is the fact that like just understanding it is human experience, common human experience yeah, to go through this goes through it, guys. and everybody it can happen it. at any point in your life. It doesn't have to mm. be, as we said, from a childhood to a teenager, you know, it could happen no, it happens. if you get divorced or something's gone wrong, you lose mm. your job. There's, there's, you know, somebody's as so we said, many passed stuff. away COVID in general, everything can have an impact. Uh, the people that you surround yourself with. So your environment, yeah. The people you follow on social media can have an impact. Yeah, so just being mindful Everything of it. Everything can have an impact. Like Georgia said, what time you go to bed, what time you wake up. Or, you know, all these other self-care habits all have an impact on the way you feel physically and mentally. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's obviously seen as a very valid coping mechanism for most. You know, mm. as we said, it's safer technically than alcohol abuse and drug, you know, recreational drugs yeah. and... But, you know, it can be hard to manage and also working out what that underlying factor really mm. is. And 
it's not going to come in a week. And, and you you know, know? Nobody can tell you that. Nobody, you can't get reading it over a text message from some random person over social media. It's either you're going to have to go to a professional and talk about it, or you're going to have to actually sit down and self-diagnose and do a self-assessment on yourself. Yeah, and, and as I said, And ask yourself some tough questions and be like, okay, well, why am I unhappy? Why, why do I feel unfulfilled? And these are really tough and sometimes quite uh, eye-opening questions, but until you get to the root cause of what the problem is, you'll you'll just be putting a bandage over a bullet wound. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, as we said, having support of loved ones is always, you know, very, very good. And or to be what happens if your loved ones are the ones that are causing the uh, the No, as I just said, but I'd place. like to say on the side of that, like... Being brutally honest, I didn't want to talk to my loved ones. Uh, no, don't be so Jerry, rude. Jerry, Jerry, I'm joking. I'd Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Springer. Springer. We're yeah. not in fucking America. Okay. It's Jeremy Kyle here, Sorry, and he Jeremy was kicked Kyle. off the TV because apparently no, he was. No, was I mean, to be honest with you, the way he spoke to people was kind of unacceptable. Like you're a piece of shit. One of Jerry. one of the lowest points I think for for mankind was the paternity tests when people would obviously start breakdancing when they realised they're not. Paternity <laughs> test mark, yeah, that's what you're You're, you're not the father. Yeah. The like, yeah, baby. Yeah, that's the everything that's wrong with men. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> fuck men really annoy me. I don't think you've even got... Sometimes I think your brain is so wired differently to women, it's unbelievable. Yeah, of course. But I know, but it's just... it's just. No, men definitely don't make no, the world go round. No, I didn't say men around. make the world go round, but if we all thought the same and were exactly identical, then there would be a bit but of But I issue. will say that men can't live without women. Big statement. They yeah, can't. I, mean, I feel like sometimes most married men seek you, a, a mum. Do you know what I, I mean? Can't, I can't live without you, that's for sure. Well, I, I could live somewhere. without you. <laughs> I know you can. But that's a good thing because you shouldn't you, be like one form of identity. I was shouting at you earlier. I was like, why are we always doing things together? Yes, because one, you know, five or six years ago, you cried and said that you wanted to do a business together. So here we are. No, it's not about having to do business with you. It's just spend my whole life as an identity with you. Like, you realise that, like, when you are married or you're in a very in-depth relationship, sometimes you're just like, fuck. Like, it's important to be still an individual, you know? I very much think that marriage, if you want to go down that route, is, is great. You've got somebody that should should effectively complement your life. It shouldn't be your yeah. whole life, yeah, you know? Yeah, but then you should uh, branch out and... What? Have a threesome? Uh, no, threesome. <laughs> God, that's so awkward. Your mind is in the gutter these days. Um, okay, let's um, start with what you did in the gym the other day to me. George is accusing me of no, doing don't. This is absolutely sexual acts in the gym. Sexual acts? Don't you sound was, like a predator? No, there was, I was nothing. All I was doing was cleaning the equipment, <sighs> and I just so happened to gesture a certain hand gesture coincidentally when she was looking at me. And that's even if it wasn't me. Fucking, I hope, no, you sound like you just got your fucking, you whipped your fucking pants off and you're having, God knows. In that gym, who knows, The I got uh, kissed on the side of the face by some random... I had a head, a head rub and a bum squeeze Ooh, a at, bum conjoined squeeze. at the same time. Yeah. Obviously unwelcomed and should probably call the police. Yeah, but a guy keeps on touching my arms. It's really, <laughs> it's just, it's really off-putting. Anyway, I guess going back to emotional eating and Mark not making sexual. This is why I come home and then I need to eat a pack of the digestives because <laughs> I've been 
<laughs> sexually <laughs> harassed at the gym. No, I'm, we're just joking. No, but you, like, no, but no, you no, actually no, no, no. are being sexually no, I harassed. I am being sexually harassed. But if you were threatened by it, like then obviously there should be. I don't like it. I certainly. I can just only imagine what what a woman would feel like. And it oh, it's just, fucking it's forty really, thousand times really worse. It's really sad because a woman uh, essentially is going to feel a lot more defenseless than a like a big giant man. Yeah, but general. like also, like I saw a and girl walking down the street yes the other the other day actually when we were coming probably back from the gym because it's yeah, that's the only place we go. <laughs> Literally, um, and she was she looked like really beautiful as a girl, but she was just wearing a summer dress and some sandals and a bag, oh, walking yeah. somewhere to the bus stop, and some guys like. Mm, like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, mate, it's 8 a.m. in the fucking morning, you complete cretin. Stop it. She hasn't walked out the house because she's walked, she's wearing that because for you to fucking say that. Mm. She it's a hot summer's day, she's entitled to wear what the fuck she wants, and there is no you, need for your remarks. Do you remark. think men would feel differently if women catcalled men? Do you know what I mean? Well, like, I, I you know what? Women have just got more common sense. You know, a mm. lot of people just really do think with their penises, men. Like, it's like, yeah, let's get do. this rubbed the they right do. way they and really I'm going to be happy. They really do. We've been watching um, uh, documentaries on TV about... Uh, Getting rich whilst for sex acts. Yeah, so uh, Olivia Atwood's doing a, a multiple series documentary on basically things like only fans and it's called getting filthy rich it's like making a lot of money So basically making money from doing nefarious uh it's my opinion mark no but mark did you not say you said i'm actually embarrassed to be a man right now? yes no because like i just think about all the guys that are spending their hard-earned money i wouldn't give a shit (laughs) on just really creepy things and i feel like I need a platform to just have a have a word with 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 these guys. Just, I don't think you'll be able to get user three one six five to actually I just like. Need to have, I just need to just speak some sense into like, you've worked hard, you've gone through you know X one Z. Why are you spending thousands of pounds on making people because piss on each other? That's their voice. That's not even the worst thing. You know what I thought was the best, Come and on. I'd never been aware of this. I was aware of obviously dominatrix stuff because oh, yes, that's like. Yeah. Obviously, like it's been around for years, then you've obviously had stuff like Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. and like you know, I am an adult. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like I'm for, but they've got something called financial dominatrix, and I think, and every female client I've discussed this with thinks it's a fantastic fucking idea. So what it is mm. is that you go on webcam. Now you might have had to engage with a few bits of chit chat. Mm. You might need to wear a wig, and you might need to wear like some sexy lingerie. No, not even necessary lingerie. She she ha- could be. Just something that looked maybe a bit meshy, yeah. like mesh lace, or whatever. And then you tell a man yeah. the whole thing with financial dominatrix is they want to drain their wallets and bank accounts so that they yeah. suffer and they the woman profits. They want to make themselves bankrupt, knowing that somebody has done that to them, and then they will live hardship like two minute noodles, sleeping on the floor type scenario, and give all of their money. <laughs> to a chick that makes them and just speaks so, to them like trash. No, so this is what it was. It was like, hey, are you online? And then it was like, yeah, babe, I'm online. And then she's like, give me money. And it's like, 
£100 comes into her Monzo account. So you know this is not coming on credit cards. This is cash, okay? Yeah. So it's like £100 goes into the account. She's like, that's pathetic. Give me more. You think I'm worth £100? Ding, uh, £200. Should we role play one quickly? Then she's like, get in your cage. I would love to tell a man to get the in The dude was cage. wearing a chastity cage around his waist. Yeah. And this is the thing. I'm going to be like, come on, bro. Come I wonder on. if anybody listens to this that has Come on, fetishes. bro. And if you do... Like she managed to get in like four it. minutes, no, three minutes. She yeah, used to, she managed to get like 900 pounds. Okay. 900. And all she did was say, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And I think that people that do engage with weird things like that should be told I they think, are pieces I think of shit. That they should have an option. They can either phone in and do their sexual acts or they can phone me. I'll talk them through an investment plan, putting some of that 900 quid into an index fund or buying some commodities. Or hell, if you want to go crazy, let's do some cryptocurrency. But let's not not put a chastity belt on and get some chick to humiliate you. Yeah, because Olivia Atwood, who I think is absolutely hilarious, probably because she's also a bit of a potty mouth. I always get referred to as a potty mouth. And I've actually tried to slightly not swear as much this podcast. But unfortunately, I see it as a form of intelligence, actually, and a way of expressing my emotions. (laughs) Anyway, she, she decided that to, like, really go into it, that she would like set up an account. And there's this guy that was offering her 400 pounds. Is that a joke? 400 pounds, okay. He developed a toilet seat that was like a toilet seat with wooden legs that he lies under the whole of the toilet seat whilst a a girl shits in his mouth. And that's what he wants. But 400 quid, I'd I'd demand 4 million. He'd probably be like an accountant or a dentist or some very well, like respectable human being that has got so much power and like yeah. say in certain things that he wants to be completely and utterly powerless and have some yeah but i was speaking to a client actually this morning funny that back this morning clearly trained a few people um who was saying that like there was a person at their work <laughs> that at the christmas party was like really quiet human like really quiet human like everybody just thought okay he's good at his job getting on with it and the christmas party he dressed up as a woman, okay? Yeah. And they were like, okay, cool. Like, maybe this is fancy dress. I'm not sure, like, what you're vibing yeah. here. Yeah. And was, like, so anti-woman that he went and took a poo mm. on the women's bathroom in front of female mm. colleagues. And he still works what there. <laughs> and he still Mad works. Mad them whilst they did. Stayed at the end. But everybody was just hours. like, he's so quiet. He's so reserved. And I said, those are the worst ones. Yeah, until you start drinking. And then yeah, then the over. alcohol comes into play. Ooh. But anyway, let's go back to emotional eating. How do you help yourself through these situations? As we said, very individual and, you know, working through your your triggers or you can't, you know, not catching yourself out, but assessing your situations, you know, and coming to the root cause of it is obviously the things that will take time. Um, But, you know, as we said, having loved ones around you can obviously help if those are causing things and they're not really loved ones then obviously i don't in any way advise you to then speak to them you know and yeah if if that's the case then you just know if you're feeling isolated there's plenty of people yeah there are tons of you can turn to us but if you're feeling in if you haven't got the best supportive structure then and you can't you let's say for example you've got no access to it then it's it's a lone journey regardless of whether you're doing it with or without somebody's help you've still got to do the work yourself you've got to put in the effort and undertake the self-care habits off your own back 
it's, it's not ideal. self-care habits in my it's opinion. An, it's an ideal situation to have support, but if you don't have support, then I think you go back to self-care habits, to... but I think it also comes down to uh, understanding your circumstances uh, in general and understanding yeah. it's not always that about self-assessment is very going to the gym and yeah. eating a nutritionally balanced diet or anything. It's about working around what is causing you and if it is just a period of your life then you take it for what it is yeah it's but, it's it's more mental than it all it is physical so certain physical self-care habits will help alleviate that internal narrative but all the work has to be done internally so like when we help people with body transformations um, the biggest thing for us is ch is changing the the internal narrative, how people view themselves, their people's expectations, and how they talk to themselves. Is generally the law is the hardest thing for people to accomplish. Going to the gym, picking up weights, putting them down, very simple. Nutrition much harder in the sense of meal prep and macros and calories, but you can get your head around that. But the way that you view the world and the way your consciousness works is very difficult yeah but i to, think when it comes to, to emotional eating and like with nutrition i think actually instead of targets because i'll say this again your life does not run by a target and sometimes it doesn't infuriate me that you always bring it back to targets mm. so don't bring it back to targets mark me is that what you, i do so yeah, yeah I'm, i just think so much my brain is so co coaching orientated that i just yes mark but I you know it's anything. about being educated around your nutrition which is a very large part of your life yes. Whether you're eating out for dinner, whether you eat breakfast, you know, it's literally yeah. your life, yeah. your nutrition. Like, like we highlighted, understanding your metabolic outputs and, and other bits and pieces. Not even understanding helps. that. Understanding that food, specifically, if you are educated with the knowledge behind it, will not be seen as good or bad. You know, it's yes. about magic. With somebody with emotional eating, you do not address it by now stick to a target and stop your emotional no, eating no, no, that's, you address it by education exactly. on nutrition yeah. and how it helps you before yeah. you bring in any kind of target related no. thing because no. that's again subconsciously yeah, can that's, set off that's triggers. running before you can even crawl because you have to you have to lay the foundation of any form of nutritional habit or training and the first foundation to that is understanding and with understanding comes education on yeah, on, you know, and, and so I think one thing, as we said before, it all is going to take time yeah. and it, it's not, it's not a quick fix. These no. things can come about sporadically. They could come across yeah. every day. If they're coming frequently every single day, then you probably can work through it a little bit easier as such because you're really understanding your triggers. Mm -hmm. If you have got a stressful day at work and you reach for a drink and then it doesn't really appear again mm. you don't really need to overthink emotional yeah. eating as such if it is happening on a repetitive basis and you are aware that you just don't have that level of uh mindset where you can control or you're seeking stuff from food yeah. um yeah, then and for just general fulfillment uh in general you then know. you know obviously working with a professional is an option mm. but you know it's it's you know if you can do it on your own then again it will always come down to you in general as to how you feel and how you behave in situations but mm. i do think that if you are feeling out of control talking to somebody about certain positions in your life or current environments in your life will actually just help you find those triggers a lot easier yeah, than trying to search yeah. them yourself mm. um but yeah, I mean, that was a little bit quick summary of emotional eating. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, 
again, as we said, it's con. It's yeah, there's no real concrete answer. Yeah. There's no like two plus two equals four because we're all uh, all so unique and have different life experiences. So you know, very generic things like uh, which we're also very guilty of in the industry. Go for a walk, eat some fruit. You know that stuff is is almost pointless in in, in my opinion. It's it's understanding yeah, it's like what you like, find value in, understanding what you what makes you feel better, understanding like Georgia said your triggers, and and then doing that self assessment, yeah. and asking yourself really tough questions, and because that's the only way that you're going to be able to understand the root causes, and it's going to require you to travel a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So that um, you can get some form of either understanding or some form of uh, I guess it, clarity or... Yeah, okay. How many times do you want to say understanding in different words? <laughs> I think I could go on for for an hour. How much time have you got? Um, we've probably already done. <laughs> anyway, I think, you know, as I said, if you're struggling with a period of life, you want some advice on it, you know, always feel free to drop us um, a message yeah. and we will definitely advise you on how best to go about your situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's out of our realms, you know, we will always um, be able to advise yeah. on um, people that you can go speak to. Um, but anyway, um, we hope you enjoyed that segment, Understanding of Emotional Eating. Um, and financial dominatrix women get the webcams out let's drain some male money um (laughs) anyway we'll be back for episode 12 next week and in the meantime we will converse with you over social media have a nice one guys have a nice one bye